Welcome to Cannabis and Focus, the show about medical cannabis, and our goal is to separate science from politics and fact from folklore. Our guests include doctors, nurses, scientists, patients, and producers, all here to help you make informed decisions for yourself and your loved ones. I'm your host, Miriam Knight, and today's guest is Janie Maidler. Janie is a policy advisor, speaker, educator, and consultant in pediatric medical cannabis. She's also COO of Riley Smile Foundation, a charity named after her young daughter who developed a tumor that was aggressively eating away the side of her face and palate. Rejecting the hopeless prognosis, Janie dove into research and came across cannabis oil. Her experiences with it and her tenacity not only changed her family's life, but also the legislation in her home state of Delaware. Welcome, Janie. Thank you. Glad to have you here. You know, you are one feisty mama bear. (laughs) Um, You know, tell us about Riley's diagnosis and how that started you on your journey. Well, her diagnosis pretty much ripped the rug out from underneath of our feet. And so when a doctor tells you the diagnosis, you just don't want to accept it as being real. And so me being who I am, I just dove into research and I was determined to prove our doctors wrong. And I was determined to save my daughter and I was not going to bury her. And that's what led me into researching all kinds of things. And I was researching Black Sav. I was researching, you know, different countries with all of these clinical trials. The common thing that just kept coming up was cannabis therapy. And so because it kept coming up so much, that's where my research focused into. Wow. Did you have a science background when you started this? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you have the equivalent of a PhD now. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like it, but then I talk to a PhD and I don't understand a word they're saying, so I realize I don't. (laughs) (laughs) So what was the legal status of cannabis oil when you started researching it? So at the time that I was researching it, It was legal for adults in our state, but it was illegal for pediatrics. However, even though it was legal for adults, we did not have a dispensary open and the law had not really been enacted yet. So how did you actually start uh, using it with Riley? Fortunately, I had found an angel is what we call them. And, um, She lived in a state all the way across the country. She actually lived in Washington. And she was able to uh, get me, it was uh, cannabis that had been tested, fully tested, and she was able to anonymously ship it to us. So you were doing it kind of under the table. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. There was nowhere to get it safely where I was. And... How long did it take to see any effects with Riley? We actually saw effects the very first time I gave it to her. Of course, I was very nervous giving it to her. I had never 
given her anything besides what came in a prescription bottle, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, we don't even uh, ever even take painkillers in our household. So for me to give this to her, of course, I was super, super nervous and just watching her like a hawk. I was ready, you know, at any moment to, you know, rush her off to the hospital Mm -hmm. and what I did because I was just so extremely scared and nervous. I bet you were. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, even though you have all the assurances of this person that you feel like, you know, you still don't really know. And so I gave her the very smallest dose I could and just watched her and, uh, you know, she right away, she, she could eat and she didn't have as much pain and this, and even some of the swelling had gone down. So right away we noticed a difference. So let's go back to her diagnosis. What was her situation and what was the prognosis of the doctors at the time? So originally her diagnosis was stage four uh, rhabdomyosarcoma and it was progressing so quickly and fast that they rushed us through a ton of testing that week. And then on, it was a Friday we had to come home, gather all of our belongings, and take her back to have a port put in. And it was actually during that port procedure that um, the pathologist halted the procedure and came out and said, look, I think we might be wrong. We might be back here next week um, or Monday to put the port back in, but let's halt things for a second. And what it ended up being was a tumor that this research hospital had never even seen before. It mimicked that type of cancer. And even though it was still life-threatening, it is treated with chemo, and um, it can actually spread through the bones, and it can metastasize just to the lung. It can't metastasize like a, a cancer can. It can't jump to a liver, jump to the kidneys, you know, jump to other organs like uh, cancer can do. So all of a sudden, we here we were sitting in that room, like waiting for her life to just change, you know, come out with a port. All of a sudden, we were given this glimmer of hope, and we just said, oh, we'll take it, you know, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. take this, this uh, diagnosis, because this felt like we could fight this. And so it was still a, um, not, not a great diagnosis, but it was um, so much more of a glimmer of hope. So we had to wait three more weeks to get um, the actual real diagnosis, which was aggressive giant cell granuloma. She had one of the worst cases um, come to find out that in history. And it just really ate away the whole center of her face and to the left side. And I compare it to the blob, you know, the old movie. Mm-hmm. It eats up people. Um, so it, it literally was disintegrating her entire head and um so they had to act quickly and remove it and unfortunately a little piece was left behind and um so you know because of that i continued on my you know my tunnel vision in on that cannabis because here we were dealing with this um aggressive destructive life-threatening tumor still and here a piece was left behind, and I had all these doctors not even knowing how to treat this, mm-hmm. except for chemo. And we really didn't want to do that. So um, we asked them to do the watch and wait. And meanwhile, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, I'm not really watching and waiting. I'm just telling you to. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> and I'm going to treat my child with, with cannabis. So that's, you know, that's what we did. So getting back to your first um, experiments with cannabis, uh, you had somebody guiding you in terms of what to choose and what kind of dosage, or was that kind of hunt and pick? That was a lot of, um, well, I, call, I, I did call, contact a company and I asked her to help me. And one of the first emails back to me was, pay us $200 and we'll help you. And I just, at the time, I remember hanging up and crying and saying, I can barely afford this medicine. Uh, how am I going to pay her $200? So then I ended up reaching out to a bunch of other moms and saying, okay, it is a bone tumor. Yes, it's benign, but how, you know, can you, can you give me some suggestions to just start from? And so, and of course, moms want to help other moms because they don't want to see their baby suffer. And so it's just this army of other fierce moms that, that helped out and made these suggestions. And I also based a lot of how I treated her on benign breast cancer. So, um, so I, I really looked at the, at the PubMed research on benign breast cancer and using cannabis for that. And that's pretty much how I, that was my launching platform on how to treat her. Mm -hmm. so, and it, it seemed to work. Right. So it's a tumor, but not necessarily cancer. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, now, did your doctors ever think that um, her, her disfigurement would heal itself? No, no. They, um, when she went back for her surgery, we had uh, two doctors doing the surgery, and one is a, a renowned plastic surgeon. And he had, I remember going into surgery, he had said to me, you know, don't worry, you know, plastic surgeries in her future. There's, we can do any, it was pretty much, don't worry what she comes out looking like, we can fix it. Mm -hmm. You know, they were really trying to prepare us for um, future plastic surgeries. And, you know, they said she's going to come out with no teeth and we can do implants later on. And they had said, you know, we can fix all in here. We can put cheek implants. You know, they were really preparing us that this surgery is not the end of this. And there's going to be a lot more work to make her look normal. And that this tumor is just completely disfiguring and they had, you know, we thought, well, are you going to put bone in place? And they had explained to us that they couldn't put anything in its place because um, the risk of this tumor coming back was so strong. And so really when we sent her back there for that surgery, it was to my husband and I, it was like, we're saying goodbye to this little girl's face. And that was a rough moment because we thought we're getting her back very disfigured. Mm -hmm. And we did, we got her back and she was literally a potato sack. It was the skin all looked the same, but there was no bone structure underneath. And, um, and her, her bones, you know, as a child, your bones do regenerate. They say kids could grow their arm back and stuff. Um, bones do regenerate, but they can only regenerate to a certain extent. And as, um, a side effect, I call it a side effect. You know, I was given her cannabis to keep, the tumor from coming back and, and doing even more damage that we would have to address. And when I started giving her the cannabis, it was about four or five months is when 
they started making comments that, you know, man, her bones are really regenerating faster than what we thought they would. And they're regenerating in such a way that it's almost like they're replicating the way they're supposed to look. And yeah, underneath her, you know, in her CT scan, she doesn't look beautiful and perfect like she did before, but everything is there that she needs to protect herself. And, um, and so that's when I realized a side effect of what I was, of the treatment I was giving her was that her bones were, were generating more completely and even faster. Mm-hmm. And uh, were her teeth regenerating as well? Yes. Her, her teeth, what they did with her teeth was they, um, they, had to, they thought she was going to uh, lose her teeth, or they told us that she was going to. For some reason during surgery, she had lost, you know, all this bone here. So there was nothing to anchor the teeth into. They had decided that they would um, stitch the teeth in just to the gums and the skin. And whenever she would drink water, they would flop around and twist around and all kinds of stuff. So when we started noticing that her bones were regenerating like so well, I, I remember telling her like, you know, make sure your teeth are really straight. And they were living, we, they, they had told us they were going to die and, you know, they would just fall out. So I remember telling her, make sure your teeth are really straight because they were like all over the place. And um, so as her bone regenerated, her teeth actually got straighter and they lived. And then her dentist started noticing that the roots were starting to generate, like all through wow. the teeth, which he was very shocked about. And I, you know, he even like gave us a donation, you know to help pay for medicine and stuff like that. So he was very surprised. That's amazing. Yeah. So did you have any challenges with the medical professionals? Did you tell them what you were doing? We couldn't tell them yet. Um, the, the doctor at Johns Hopkins figured it out uh, just because he, we were sent to him to try to figure out like, you know, what's going on? Why is she healing so well? <laughs> and so we went to him and, you know, he just kept looking at, her medical charts and he kept looking at her and back at the medical charts. And then finally he said to me, you know, what are you giving her? Like, you know, what are you giving her? And he said, I can't tell by looking at her chart and looking at this little girl that she's been through what it says in this chart. Like she shouldn't look at, she should not look like this. Right. And, um, I just kind of laughed at him and said, I'm giving her some essential oils. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just, he, he just winked at us and he said, well, you keep giving her those essential oils. So we just like didn't, you know, we didn't actually come out and say it and he didn't either, but I, you know, he, he figured it out. And so it was actually right after that appointment that I made the phone call to our Senator. Cause I said to my husband, we're going to, I'm getting found out. I'm, you know, it's bound to happen now. People are starting to say, man, she really healed <laughs> really well. Like what is going on? And even in the community, we were getting like lots of comments because people saw how bad her face looked in the beginning, like how, because it was very distorted. Mm-hmm. And so you go from looking like that to the way she looked afterwards. And, um, it was obvious, like without any plastic surgery, like what did you do? And so you kind of have to start explaining things, mm-hmm. not natural. So that must have been an interesting conversation with your senator. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Tell us I, about it. 
Well, I had first, um, I came out to a few of my close friends first because I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how the senator was going to react. So I wasn't sure, you know, next thing was going to be on the news with me in handcuffs. Um, so I actually told a few of my close friends first. And, and, um, and then it's kind of funny because when I invited him over, he had already like heard through the grapevine, like what we were doing. And he, um, he's told me later that he, he kind of knew what I was going to ask him and he's already preparing a no, you know, um, to explain to me, but we invited, um, Senator Lopez over and he was against cannabis. Um, he had actually campaigned against it, but so that's why we chose him because I thought, you know, if I can get a no to turn to a yes, then I can get everybody there to, to agree with me and see what I'm seeing. So, I laid all of her records out on our dining room table and I had my daughter sitting here. And, uh, and so I, I made sure like I hid the medicine away in case like he starts calling the cops. And so I just explained to him, you know, he already knew what happened because everybody in the community already knew. And I showed him all of her medical records. And I said, you know, this is what happened behind the scenes. This is what's been going on. And I said, and, you know, this is why she looks the way she does today. And I want you to talk to her. And so she sat there and she told him about how it felt to be on the pharmaceuticals, the Tylenol of codeine and all the seizure drugs that they had put her on and all kinds of stuff. And she told him how she struggled in school when, when she was on those and how hard it was to eat. And then um, she explained to him, but when I'm on cannabis, that... I'm not in pain. I'm getting straight A's. School is easier for me. And she just went on this beautiful list. So then How I old just, was she at the time? She was eight, eight or nine. So I think she had just turned nine. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so she just asked, you know, both of us were sitting there and I said, so are you going to report me? Or are you going to help us? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you're kind of waiting and he just, yeah. He goes, I understand now. And he goes, if, if it was my daughter, I'd feed her a hanger if it would help her, you know? Yeah. Um, so he goes, so I'm going to help you. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> so, um, so that's, we came out in the public, like right after that. Um, and they allowed, you know, la- allowed her to continue taking her medicine so she could stay healthy. And um, so, yeah, so it just... Ever since then, you know, we've been continuously working on different laws with the same set of, like, senators. Um, and, and it's what's funny is, like, all of these senators that we've been working on have all been, like, very conservative senators in the past. But just watching how um, she's grown and gotten healthier and healthier and stronger, like, it's just been very, um, very good for them to watch her. And, you know, she goes to legislative hall and she plays hide and seek and she fills up their refrigerators with water. And, and I think it's been a very good witness to them to see a little girl on cannabis get healthier every single day mm-hmm. and to, to become more stable um, as far as her tumor. So it's really changed a lot of them completely around. What form of cannabis were you using with her? So originally we were using ethanol extracted, um, THC and CBD. Uh, she was having some digestive issues with the fully extracted ethanol extractions. I think, you know, all the plant material was just mm-hmm. too much for her. So we eventually found 
another angel that was using CO2 extractions, and she mm-hmm. does much better with the supercritical CO2 extractions. We, um, when we realized that she was having seizures, I don't, you know, something happened during surgery. A few weeks later, she started having seizures. Then we started, uh, we replaced the THC with THCA, and we started using uh, whole plant CBD that was CO2 extracted. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it would be helpful for our listeners to understand that THCA is not psychoactive. Correct, yes. Right. Yeah, and then we use a tiny bit of um, THC at nighttime, but it's mm-hmm. very low. And her CBD is, is about 10% THC, so it's not like um, we, don't, we don't use extremely high. It's not like a ACDC with like below 4%. Her CBD has a little bit higher THC in it. Mm-hmm. Not much, but just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, also important to note that there's a lot of experimentation with this to get the right combination, the right dose. How long did it take you to kind of dial it in? And, and as you say, she's been kind of changing over time. Oh, yeah. So, um, so in the beginning, I would say that we thought we had it right for about two months, and all of a sudden, everything kind of crashed. So they call that like the honeymoon. And, mm-hmm. and then it took us a few weeks to get it right. And so then we were doing great for, I would say, six or seven months. And that's when we realized that those little episodes were seizures. And um, the, so then we kind of changed things around to help, you know, um, help her control those seizures. And so then it took us another few months to get, to get that dialed in correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she hits a growth spurt and then you have to <laughs> adjust things again. And right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So getting back to your friendly legislators, Mm-hmm. Um, they eventually passed something called Riley's Law. What was that? So that was when he left here that day and said he would fix it. That's how he fixed it, was he wrote a law called Riley's Law, and it was um, to allow medical cannabis for children under the age of 18, which the existing law just forgot about the kids. They were mm-hmm. not allowed to have any cannabis whatsoever. And two days after it passed through the Senate and the House unanimously, our first dispensary opened. So it was like perfect timing. Right. When you say our first dispensary, what, what does that mean? So that would be where people in our state with a medical uh, marijuana card can actually go and purchase their um, products, their THC, CBD, THCA. There were no dispensaries before then? Nope. Mm-mm. Oh, wow. So that was perfect timing. Yep, it was. Absolutely. Are there other issues that you're still campaigning for? I noticed uh, some mention of autism. Yes. Um, So right after we did the Riley's Law, um, we pushed for um, cannabis to be allowed in school, which Riley did that like all on her own. Um, So that was that passed unanimously as well. And she actually like made the governor sign it at her school so she wouldn't miss any more school. (laughs) she's she's a bit of a spitfire too and uh so then our next uh the next thing that we wanted to do was to pass autism as a qualifying condition Mm -hmm. and so we petitioned for that about four or five weeks ago 
And so our next uh, committee meeting is October 10th, and we'll go up and they'll review the petition uh, that we that we submitted. And so we're just waiting. It has about 180 days that they have to get public comment on it and review it, and then it should pass, and it's for pediatrics. Tell us about the effects that you have seen, uh, I, I assume, in your network somewhere on autism. So what I have seen is um, that a lot of children who are the ones who are on the spectrum and they are non-aggressive, a lot of them that I've seen, especially uh, locally, are doing very well just on THCA alone. Mm -hmm. And that's with um, ADD, ADHD, autism. And we're seeing where like some kids have not spoken before and they're starting to try to be more communicative. Um, Even ones who spoke like one word or starting to put together three words and um, it has a a calming effect. It's not psychoactive like THC is, but it's very calming and um, their GI systems are improving. Um, We have one who is 18 and had been wearing a diaper all of his life and he actually potty trained. So that was like super exciting because as a mom, I would love, really love it. Um, and a lot of them are sleeping better. We've noticed there's some that had, um, had restless leg syndrome and that's improved greatly. And um, so that to me is super exciting. The ones who have um, aggression towards themselves, especially is like really sad and aggression towards their parents or others. Those children were noticing um, not only THC, but adding like just a very tiny little um, bit of THC in the liquid form. They don't need to smoke it, so because it doesn't also doesn't last as long. But just adding a, a little tiny dose of THC is helping to like calm that down, and um, and it's calming that anxiety down in them. And so the um, the therapists and the parents are seeing a lot less aggression. And especially the ones who are like beating their heads into the cement and, you know, causing themselves concussions or or worse, you know, that's just extremely um, beneficial for them to help calm those behaviors down and the stemming and um, the aggression towards mom when she's home trying to help them. Yeah. And presumably these kids had been on whatever uh, Ritalin and, yeah. And it wasn't effective. Wow. Tell us about your foundation, about Riley Smile Foundation. So that is a foundation that Riley, um, she actually would go around and speak to rotaries. and. How old is she now? She's only 11. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like going on 25. Yeah, yeah, she has surpassed everything. Um, yeah, she always tells me uh, she's worried about getting into college, and I'm like, I'm not worried about anything. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, she's 11. She'll be 12 next month. Um, but she wanted to start her own foundation when she first got sick, and she was getting she was getting poked and prodded. She was getting really angry about it. And you know, you just you'll promise your kid a horse if they just listen to the doctor and do whatever. And here, you know, I remember us on our way home to get all of her belongings, and and I said to her, "If you just do what the doctors say, we'll give you whatever you want." 
And she said, well, let me think about it. (laughs) And then when she got better, um, she held us to it. And she said, I want a way to help the kids that are still there. And so she had a lot of survivor's guilt because some of the kids that were diagnosed with the same thing as her, which originally was the cancer, two of them had died. And Mm -hmm. so, and they didn't even like have what originally she, you know, they thought she had stage four. Well, one of them had like a very low stage and that kid had died. So she had like some huge survivor's guilt going on. And so she wanted a way to distract them from everything going on. Cause she remembered, like she knew what the doctors had said. I mean, she's got ears, she can hear. And she remembers thinking how alone she felt and how like, you know, you really feel like you're fighting it by yourself because you're the one that's dying. So she just remembers how she just wanted to take her mind somewhere else. And so her grandmother had given her an iPod and she would just sit there and listen to music and try to pretend she wasn't there and that kind of thing. So she wanted to give the kids iPods so that they could play games. They could get their mind like off of where they're at. And she called it just get their, their minds to escape. So, um, so right. And she also wanted to, um, help them get her medicine, which we couldn't do. So, so we said, okay, we'll make a foundation and the beginning, we'll just give kids iPods and we'll work on the rest later, the advocacy and the education. We have to get it legal first. (laughs) So, so she made her own foundation. She started giving out iPods to kids. She's given out like over 80 um, and she just started the foundation less than two years ago. And then, um, then we made it legal. We started working on laws. And so, and she also gives uh, free education. Um, so once a month we do the free education and, um, it's, you do that on the web. We actually do it locally. Like, um, this is October. So this month is at the American Legion and we're doing it on pain and we have a doctor coming to speak about pain and, um, post-traumatic stress. And, um, he's going to just talk about like his experiences and, and counseling and that sort of thing. And then next month we're doing, um, education on the importance of third party labs and how laboratory testing is done. And so each month it'll be free, but it's really important for patients to understand these things and, and how things are done kind of behind the scenes. So that way they can be their own advocate. You uh, talk about laboratory testing. Tell us what the issues are there. (laughs) So we just, um, we just got laboratory testing, third-party testing. Our issue here is uh, it hasn't been enacted yet. We're into our uh, full second year of having dispensaries but we don't have third-party testing yet. So when you get a product and it has, you know, CBD, THCA, pesticide-free, you have to take them for the word. Mm-hmm. You don't have any labs. You can't, you know, you can ask them for labs, whether you get it or not, I don't know. Um, but you don't get labs with it. Um, I think I asked for labs one time and I, they weren't really labs. So the third-party testing that we're supposed to have the way that it's going to work, or I've been, I've asked our program and the way they've told me it's going to work here 
is that if it's on the shelf, then it passed. That's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So you still don't get to see your labs. They're not going to test for terpenes. Um, they're going to test for the basic cannabinoids. And um, they're going to test for, you know, solvents, pesticides, mold, the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they're going to test for metals yet. But you still don't, you're still not privy to those labs. And so me, as a mom who's treating my daughter for pain and, and tumors and seizures, I want to see those labs because I want to know what terpenes I'm putting into my child, if there's even terpenes. Mm-hmm. So, because you know, some people will strip their oils down so much with solvents that there's no terpenes left, and that's really what's making it so beneficial. Mm-hmm. And so, I, from just for my sake, I want to see those terpenes. And so, again, for the listeners, terpenes are aromatic compounds that. Uh, together create what they call an entourage effect that um, makes the effect of the cannabis much greater. And in fact, there's a a school of thought that says much of the specific effect of different strains is the result of the particular terpene profile in these strains. Exactly. So um, you are also uh, CEO of Riley Sunshine. What is that? So that again was inspired um, by her because as we were moving along this journey, um, we had here we had created a wonderful law. We had created um, a wonderful foundation to help people. And you see this big gap. And inside that gap are these families that their child's diagnosed with leukemia, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the family is at the hospital all the time. And they, they finally get their doctor to agree to let them take cannabis. Then they go to the dispensary, and the dispensary says, it'll be $200 you know, for like this little tiny bottle that only has like 1,500 milligrams in it. Well, that's how much they take in like a few days. So... Mm. You know, how can they possibly ever do this? Mm-hmm. And so then on top of that, how can you ask a family to pay that much and they don't even get labs with it? <laughs> you know, yeah. it just kind of, to me, there, there was just like this gap that was, was all these people were falling into. And so it didn't seem fair, you know, that, that in order to be a cannabis patient, you have to be rich or you pretty much have to decide, you know, am I going to save my child or am I going to like pay my rent this month or my mortgage, you know, or am I going to have to like really like ask every single one of my friends to give me money. And, you know, we were starting to see in our state a lot of GoFundMe pages because they couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. And so you start looking at that and then you start looking at the quality because, we were having uh, families come to us and show us, you know, medicines from out of state that they could afford. And it was pretty much just olive oil with nothing. Okay. In it. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually had one, um, one mom call me and she had spent $500 for CBD oil. That was just hemp oil. And three weeks later, her, her baby died and she, 
you know, on a whim had the oil test and it was so full of mold. It was just crazy. And it makes you wonder, you know, what actually killed that baby? Was it the cancer or the mold? You don't know. So I was working with um, uh, a company in San Diego that whenever I would work on a law, I would call him and say, you know, how does, with numbers, you know, how does this compute, you know, 7% THC with this amount, blah, blah, blah. And we would talk a lot. And also with the dispensary here, when we were trying to improve their quality, he would get on the phone with them and just say, hey, you know, let me help you with this and stuff like that. So we, he was experiencing the same issues. He was seeing this huge gap too. And he's giving away medicine like crazy, you know, trying to help people that couldn't afford it too. And we said, what if, you know, we put together a company where we can, you know, we're, we don't need to mark it up. We're not trying to, to be billionaires. You know, why don't we just cover our costs, mark it up a tiny bit so we can pay our own mortgage and that's it and, and get it to the people that need it. And if we can work with the foundation in such a way that, that we can educate people and we can get the medicine where it needs to be for these people. We can help them with dosing and they don't have to pay $200 like I was asked to, you know, and if we can work with doctors um, and PhDs that, that actually want to help people and, and, you know, and not market off of them, then we've got a beautiful, beautiful little storm here. So that's how Riley Sunshine came to be. And it's really, um, we have a collaborative group of MDs and PhDs and all of us have the same like little vision of actually helping people and not trying to, you know, uh, market off of them. Janie, give us the ways that people can get in touch with you, with the foundation, with Riley Sunshine. So the uh, Riley Sunshine is, is RileySunshine.com. It's R-Y-L-I-E-S, sunshine.com. Then the foundation is uh, Riley's Smile Foundation.org. Mm-hmm. And again, it's R Y L I E S. Everybody always spells her name funny. Um, so both of those are ways to get up with us. Um, the Riley's Sunshine.com, we do consultations, and all of our consultations are backed up by scientists and medical doctors. We have experienced consultants. Um, and, um, so we, and then the foundation, of course, if you have a child that has a serious illness or disease, apply for an iPod if you need one and we'll be happy to help you. That's fantastic. Well, Janie and, and Riley, I'm sure she's, she's hovering out there somewhere. Uh, are just an amazing duo, uh, a mama and baby bear. So thank you very much for sharing your story with us and for all the fantastic work you're doing. Thank you. And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit our website at cannabisinfocus.com for informative articles, videos, and links. And please share it with your friends. Until next time, I'm Miriam Knight. Goodbye and good health.